0: Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is live, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show.
1: Moving Iron in the 21st century Hardworking people working hard for you and me Moving Iron time and time again through the years, you'll find us here moving iron.
0: Hello, and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number one thirty-seven with my guest, Greg Machinery Pete Peterson. Greg, how you doing today? Hey, Casey, doing well. How are you doing? Doing okay, man. All right, well, plenty of stuff to talk about here. A lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff that affects the overall equipment marketplace. And as usual, there's uh, I got a, I got an expert on here that can that can kind of lead us through the uh the goings-on here of the last quarter of the year so greg i hope you're up to it
1: hey i don't know about the expert i just uh, (laughs) have fun doing what i do and uh hopefully the data can be uh insightful for people but you bet you lead the way casey and we'll we'll dive in
0: all right sounds good so let's talk about what happened here in the second quarter and what that looked like to me it felt like the overall marketplace was um we had some good movement. We—I don't want to say it was—it was stagnant, but we weren't knocking it out of the park either. But uh, we had some pretty good months in there. So, what did you see happen uh, the last, the last, uh, the second quarter of the year, and 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 how did that affect the overall feel of the marketplace for you?
1: Well, second quarter nineteen, I, I think, might be a little bit of a case where we split it. Um, so, <clears throat> if you go back to the end of first quarter, end of March. Um, like we do a quarterly, uh, we just call it our machine repeat used values index where we, you know, track everything and it's just me trying to relay what's happening with used values. And, of course, it's a little challenging to generalize because, you know, you're lumping in what's happening with a two-year-old tractor and a 15-year-old manure spreader. But generally speaking, uh, first quarter was pretty strong for used values, uh, particularly on good condition equipment, sort of whatever it was. We were seeing auction pricing hold in pretty steady and geographically it was it was pretty steady too across uh north america so we weren't seeing uh early in the year any little spots really that were noticeable or softer hard cash pricing but when we hit second quarter started off the same very strong i would say for good condition equipment through april maybe through the first uh week of may um which is a little bit unusual historically. I've been tracking these auction prices 30 years now, since 1989. And historically, you get after St. Patrick's Day. And, you know, that's sort of pre-planting in a lot of the Midwest where you get all these regional consignment sales jammed together. And you've already taken out buyers that bought in November, December, January, February. So historically, values sort of drop. Did not really see that end of March, early April or kind of all of April have been getting a little softer here in, in May I think it's it's the combination of you know unfortunately all the stuff going on right now um, and then but it's it still it cuts along the condition line Casey so we're still seeing solid demand and pricing if if the used item is a is in good condition, whether it's two years old or seven or twelve fifteen whatever. Seems like prices are holding. In some cases, very strong if it's super nice. But conversely, we are seeing slippage on the sort of the mid-range stuff. And geographically, we are getting a
0: little softer down south. All right. So one thing I've been I watch and I, I pay attention to is just the the volume of auctions that are out there. Mm-hmm. I try to make just try to pay attention to that. Not so much to as is it, is it really if, uh, for pricing Although that is that pays that really plays into that a little bit, but. I like to see the the volume to kind of get a feel for what's happening in the market. So obviously over the last five years, we've had several auctions every year. Um, In the second quarter, did you notice a spike in in the number of auctions uh, that that were out there and and the volume of equipment that was on them? Or did you pretty much see a a status quo? Uh,
1: In April, early May, I saw a jump. There there were more auctions. It, It felt to me like it dragged out longer. These, uh, you know, we always see that you know, up in Canada, April is probably their busiest month. It's probably our March. But uh, there were more sales. There were a lot of kind of both retirement sales. Um, you know, I think maybe was some last minute planning there, guys. Maybe or maybe they wanted to keep going, but, <clears throat> you know, had hope for better conditions, whatever, and kind of last minute threw together an auction retirement sale to kind of preserve equity, that type of thing. Uh, yeah. And then just the consignment and online sales. I mean, there's a lot of those popping up all over. It feels like a lot of folks maybe need to move a piece or two just for cash flow. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we get into this part of the end of May. <clears throat> it's never a super busy time of year. So I'd say a little bit more normal right now here the last 10 days or so.
0: Yeah. So when you, when you look at the volume of equipment on those, those auctions that you saw in April and May, how did you feel that volume compared to what you saw maybe this time last year?
1: Oh, compared to a year ago, the volume of equipment, I would say, I guess, would be fairly steady. I mean, to me, the number of auctions has been elevated since, I think, July of 15 is when we saw this, this big spike. Um, at that point, we were a little over two years into the uh, different reality, lower commodity prices. It just took a while. Again, for the, for the farmers, a lot of them are older, uh, and they're optimists by nature you know, to be a farmer. Um, and coming off such a good period, um, sort of like the stock market, when the stock market's been real high for a long time, and then when it does drop, at first people think, oh, it'll come back, just because it's, it's a recency bias, I think they call it. Mm-hmm. But uh, we, it took a while, but again, the number of auctions has sort of been elevated. Um, I haven't seen, I guess, to this point, thankfully, like an onslaught of like uh, bank forced auctions. So that's mm-hmm. a positive thing. At least it feels like when we talk to our 1,100 auctioneers that we've been dealing with for 30 years. That there's some of that, but more of it is just Joe Farmer deciding. Well, he's kind of reading the tea leaves and saying, I, you know, I think I'll hang it up. And one interesting. Kind of a data point, I guess you'd call it. Is I've been getting, you know, we talk to the farm audience every day, uh, social media and everything that we do. But I'm getting a little bit more outreach now from folks asking, "Hey, I'm thinking of having a sale," and then they're asking about timing. When do you think would be a good time? And it's also based on what they have. So they're they're smart. They're 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 trying to, you know, maybe time, but it's difficult to time any market here. And, um, but it's very fluid Casey. I mean, you know, some days you get a little better news and other days it's down, but still, if you have good condition equipment, it still looks to me like it's attracting, you know, uh, plenty of demand. And the one thing with the, with the number of auctions that jump has jumped out to me the last year has been, the amount of a later model equipment on these farm retirement auctions, and it's partly because i I'm just old i've been doing this thirty years i you never we never saw that where you'd have all these farm retirement auctions with two three four year old stuff one year old stuff. we I mean, just see so much of that these days, and I'm always interested to see how that late model stuff does, and it's for the most part if it's good good shape it's been doing pretty well
0: okay so that's another thing that i've been <clears throat> I've, I've kind of watched evolve over the last five years and that is the um when you look at auction value compared to retail value mm. there for a while auction value retail value was so far apart that it was really inconsequential Like it, it had no bearing on each right. other right now that's really shrank down now to where there is a there is absolutely a, a correlation between what auction value brings compared to to what a retail value will come out for. So talk about that a little bit and what that evolution has looked like over the last two or three years on the data that you've tracked.
1: Well, you're wise to watch that the correlation because to me, that's been the key metric. Um, I've been doing this 30 years now. I was back, it was back in 2003 and <clears throat> actually hired an employee. And, uh, you know, so we, our website had only been up three years then. Social media was still nobody had ever heard any of that stuff, but I wanted my hands on the dealer advertised price data to compare it to the auction data I'd had going back to '89. So I actually hired someone and I said, "Here, just you know, type into this private database for us all these advertised prices." And maybe it was stupid, I don't don't know, but it was really helpful. So I found this correlation. Now again, it's we're talking generalizing because. You know, the equipment has got so much more specialized these days. You know, the transmission, what options does it have? Oh, planters, my gosh. But, like, exactly like you said, Casey, what I found is the gap between the dealer on the lot ad price and the hard cash auction price on a on a similar item got really wide back in 14, 15, and then early 16, it started to close a little bit. But since, end, like November of seventeen, so we're over eighteen months now. That gap has really tightened. In so many cases, you know, like you're indicating, where if you have a farm auction, I'm sure dealers look at a lot of the prices and go, "Man, I wish I could get that." Right? Yeah. Which I do. <laughs> to me unlocks. You know, you really need to analyze that because, in in great part. What's happening there is, let's just say the item was a a deer, you know, 8345R. Okay. And it's got low hours. It's on a farm sale. Pick your spot. It's up by you in Nebraska. It's up by me in Minnesota. Okay. So they advertise it. It's got online bidding. Good auction firm. People see it and they go, whoa, look at that 8345R. Look at that thing. Got low hours. They go through all the pictures. But what's tied into that is it's either a farm retirement or a state sale. So in essence, you're partly selling the seller and his care for it. Mm -hmm. And so to me, now, again, I I don't mean to oversimplify, but if I'm an auctioneer or a dealer, I mean, the goal is the same. You want to maximize and get as much out of every piece that you can. Well, the reality is we have tools now that kind of help tell the story of the owner the first owner of that piece. So if you guys take something in on trade, it's a low hour at 8345R. I'm going to start shouting, uh, you know, little bits of truth about that owner. In fact, we had a real interesting thing happen. This was about two weeks ago on Twitter. So I we, we started doing a for sale by owner because we had so many farmers, uh, you know, call up and they got one item for sale. So now we let them list it in machinerypeat.com. And we had this, it was a John Deere 4052R. And I think it had like, get that right at $100 on it. And I saw the picture. The guy was in uh, Beersford, Texas, which I think is in the northeast part. I'm not sure. But the pictures were great. But his description, the first line, he said, bought this for my wife, and we just didn't use it. And he had a picture. You could see the ranch, the fence behind it, the, the barn in the background. And I posted it on Twitter. And I, I said, I didn't even say anything. I just put the link. And people started commenting on the fact that he bought it for his wife and that it's got low hours. And when you, when you let people in with these little truths and insights, uh, in this case, people might say, well, why did that thing have 98 hours on it? That's, what's the scoop? Well, he told you. said, so I bought it for my wife, Shirley. And she, you know, she decided she didn't want to drive it. And the amount of clicks that thing got was off the frickin' chart. It was just unbelievable. So our goal is, you know, help that dude sell it. And for dealers, again, I understand, you know, the incredible complexities of your business in every direction. But again, simple goal, everything we have on the lot, let's sell it for as much as we can. So find ways, if you... I'd say things like, I mean, when you take something in on trade, a planter, combine, or tractor from a great customer. Now, why they're great, you know that as a dealer and have that relationship. Well, find a way to say that in the listing to make it different. Now, there might be 900 S670s for sale, right? Mm -hmm. Well, there's only one that came from your guy, Fred, that you've been working with for 42 years. So find a way to say in the listing, you know, we've sold Fred twenty-two combines. Worked with him for forty years, and little true farmers notice that stuff, whether it's in an auction listing, a private listing, or a dealer listing. So again, I I think that uh, with all the auctions, with all the late model equipment, um, the reason they sell for at retail price is because of the you're kind of buying the owner.
0: Absolutely, that makes a big difference. We try to we try to tell that story as much as we can. Um, we're trying to you know, figure that out and how we can best do that. But you're exactly right. You watch those auctions and I'll see pieces sell for, and what I like to do that. I watch an auction someplace and I'll go look at the surrounding dealers and see what they have listed to kind of get a, get a, a barometer of what that, what that marketplace looks like. And I've watched several times where a cornhead or a tractor or even some combines brought more money than the advertised price that the, the local dealer had for pretty much the same thing. And that—that's right. always always shocked me, in, in how that works. But, but like to your point, you're telling the story of who the customer is and what they are, and and there's that personal connection, I guess, maybe, or, or it's a, a local guy that that people respect and and know how they how they treat their equipment. And that goes a long ways, and and how you how you can market a piece of equipment.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I think the other thing I hear a lot of dealers talk about it, you know, an old truth in the business, I suppose, but in those situations where it's possible when you take something in on trade and it's from the right customer, you know, really good operator, whatever, clean shed, whatever, you know, just leave it on. If the guy's amenable to it, if you're going to leave it at his place. And then of course he's guys interested in Hey, can I look at that corn head? Well, you send him out to Fred's place and all he's got to do is turn in the driveway and he's ready to buy the corn head. So, right. Because how neat it is. So, you know, ways to unlock that is, uh, you know, that powerful truth is interesting. I guess the other piece of it, then, is the auction angle. Because that's the thing. You could have two corn heads just as nice sitting on the lot. But, you know, the, the weird thing about an auction, you know, and that goes back centuries, is it creates an event. It creates a pivot point that's actionable. Let's put this for sale. Now, of course, auctions, all kinds of connotations, good and bad. Uh, but, if again, if you pull back and think about it, geez, why did that corn head bring Premium dollars on that guy's auction. Again, one is the guy; he's a good operator, clean farm. Everybody knows him, respects him. And two, there was an event; it was an auction. So you had to. If you're looking for that cornhead, you 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 want this one? Well, today's the day. Ten ten a.m. Get your checkbook out. We'll see how much you want it. And that, <clears throat> I'm intrigued by some possibilities with technology. You know, around. Auction and on, as online auctions develop, I think there's, there's going to be some cool little what would you say uh, turns off the highway where you can create a dealer events to you know dip your toe into trying to i don't say force the action, but basically force the action and right. do it in a way it, it might doesn't have to be like the old days where you'd have the physical auction, which is great. we love those. But with technology now, the way you can tell the story, I think of a, there was an auction we filmed for our TV show last November. It was in, where was it? It was, up by, it was in Barrett, Minnesota, which is kind of in between West Central and Northwest Minnesota. Steffes had the sale. Of course, they market really well. But they did something I think a lot of, all dealers should do. They hired a young gal, her name is, I think it's Bethany. She's sharp as a whip. And they just said, take your camera and go. Now it, part of it is going to the auction day and filming and putting out pictures and video. That's all cool. Which I like doing that stuff too. But the more powerful part is the preview part. So this was a retirement auction for for Jerry and Connie Reese. It's just you know, that local farm couple everyone likes. Oh, Jerry and Connie, they're great. Well, how do you capture that? Well, what Stephist did, they just empower. This young gal, uh, Bethany, and said, you know, we're not going to tell you. Just go talk to him." And it turns out that Connie is just, she's one of those people, if you've never met, you could just sit down and you'd wind up talking to her for four hours. She smiles. She tells stories. So they had two quad tracks, Case IH quad tracks on the set. One was a 12 model, like 500. One was a 14 model, 550. They were nice. They had, I wouldn't call them low hours. They were reasonable hours but they were clean and they sold for premium dollars, very high, like highest price in four or five years each. But the thing was the preview video showed Connie standing next to them talking about how she named them Molly and Dolly and how on their 25th anniversary, she told her husband, he's like, well, Connie, I suppose I got to get you a new diamond ring. And she's like, screw that. I want a quad track. Now she tells the story with a smile And you put that out two weeks beforehand, and then, of course, you know, we shared it uh, on our machine, repeat social media. So now everybody's seen it. They all know Connie. It used to be at an auction, everybody local knew Jerry and Connie. See, that's the window. And you have, as a dealer, all these great customers that you guys have dealt with, you know, forever. And you know what makes them special. So now, social media doesn't cost a nickel. We all got these iPhones. They shoot video good enough for our TV show. Go and talk to people. You know, go talk to that guy, Fred, that's got the corn head. Fred, what was the first corn head you bought from? 21st century. Well, I remember that, blah, blah. Okay, when people see Fred doing that, that's a coffee shop. And it it sounds stupid, but that's just real. And whether the guy's missing two teeth or he's missing a finger, it doesn't matter. It's just real. And it's again, it doesn't cost anything. So on the on the dealer side, the more we can find ways to work in these truths, um, you know, it's powerful. So again, I, I tell dealers, I probably mention it, but you probably get tired of me saying it, Casey, I would like GeoFence here, every location's top five or ten customers and go out and get pictures and video in the spring and the fall, you know maybe not this spring when we're underwater, but get video of them planting, get video of them harvesting. And then when they want to trade in that S670 in three years, guess what? You got video of that thing rolling in Scott's bluff on a nice Tuesday afternoon, clouds in the background, whatever. That little snip of video, that's going to be money in your pocket as a dealer or an auction firm to put in the listing. You know, now it's not just, four lines of text saying, here's what the S six seventy has, here's Fred running it. You can listen to it and see it. Um, so I just I think it's partly because I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram all day talking to people that I start to see these windows and it's like, God, this change the business. And so there's opportunity whoever leans in first, you know, and guess what? At the same time you do it, you're also everything you put out has the name of your dealership on it. Um so then people five states away who don't know 21st century or Midwest machinery or, you know, central Illinois egg, they're going to get a sense for, oh yeah, the central Illinois egg. Yeah. They're good. They're good people. Well, why are they? Cause you're talking to them, which is a, you know, why would we not do
0: that? Absolutely. Yeah. It makes, it makes a world of difference. Just those little things like that, that just kind of make a, make a world of difference. So absolutely the, uh, the, the, the pictures and especially the video side of it is very powerful. When you start looking at at uh, moving equipment, absolute movement, very very important.
1: Yeah, it's I know logistically it's tough because you know you, you know dealerships these days like you got ten, fifteen, twenty five stores and it can seem overwhelming. But I would say just start, you know, just empower a young whoever. Uh, it's like our friend up there with uh, Reister and Schnell, Dan Pete there.
0: Yeah, Dan paid. He's yeah. doing
1: it. <coughs> yeah, so you <coughs> know Dan. Here. He's just start he's look what we have here, right? He that's he's mm-hmm. dipping his toe. He's starting to do it. So I, I love yep. that stuff.
0: Yep. That's good stuff. So all right, let's jump over to the other another topic here. When you start looking at inventory levels right now stuff listed out there, I, I've been paying a lot of attention to this and I've been tracking the hour ranges for um specific um you know, they're just a number of machines and groups of hours, right? So I've been watching this, and you're starting to see that the, the bulge of the uh, tick combines or tractors or whatever it might be, but combines, for example, we start getting into that that 1,500-hour combine over to the 2,000-hour, 2,500-hour combine, which primarily are 2,012 and 14-model combines. Um, there's, there's a huge bulge in the, in the, the number of equipment, a mm-hmm. number of pieces that are out there on the market. My concern that I have, and I want your what your take on this. my concern that I have is I'm afraid as the market starts to heat up, and what we are starting to see that right now you know we're we're starting to see some four dollar plus corn in december and in July is knocking on the door four dollars um, as those prices start coming up, the folks that have those combines at fifteen hundred hour two thousand 2500 hour twenty five hundred hour. Um, combine they're going to want to trade that into a a 500 hour or or a new one or 750 hour one which there's not a lot of those out there um right comparatively we're going to see this big swell of of those hour ranges of machines start popping up on the market even more than we already see do you ever do you feel like there's a a sense out there right now that those machines are going to potentially have a have a a popping of a bubble and and there could be some some uh, run to auction to get rid of these these pieces of equipment.
1: Oh, well, could well be, Casey. I think you're right. That I'm just looking now on our machinery repeat website, and I see you know there's pushing a thousand S670s and S680s. So if you broke that down, I'm sure you know the older models, like you say, the 12s to 14s. That's where you know a lot of them are, and more drifting into that higher hour range. So, so yeah, then it can become a question of. You know, I suppose assessing your level of inventory and, you know, the age old, I guess that's the, that's the dealer business, isn't it? Do we try to get out ahead of it? Or do we wait until something pivots in the market and then react? Um, I guess the other thing would be, you know, and again, I'm, I'm not a dealer, so I'd, I just try to watch this at a macro level. But, you know, I would, I guess, discipline. You know, when, when, okay, here's our chance to take these couple in on trade. Now do we, cause we have X sitting on the lot, uh, 12 to 14 models. We'd like to do that deal, but, but does that discipline, is it, does it carry over and be a little stronger than what we had back in, you know, when, when the money was flowing, I don't know. But, um, uh, the truth is like, exactly like you said, the, the people that will, they know what they want and you know what they want. They want that 500 hour, lower hour machine. And like you said, they're tough to find. Um, I guess what I do is just, you know, on the auction results side, like maybe I can do it here while we're talking. Um, so we got these little filters here, um. So I would just you know just continually check you know what's a 2012 S670 or S680 what are they selling for auction uh, and then you can put in the hour ranges so uh, apologize for my slow typing here but I'll see if I can get in and do that and then uh, you can track it by you know you can track it daily weekly whatever uh, and just look for that movement I think movement is the key uh, our prices going up or down. Okay, so I just type in 2012 to 2014. This makes for a great podcast, doesn't it? Casey? When I'm typing, <laughs> we're talking. Okay, so hour range, what, what was your hour rate that you that you kind of threw out there on these older machines? That you kind of what's the cutoff you're
0: looking at? Oh, I think if you look at like a thousand separator hour machine to 2,500 separator hour. Okay. So
1: I, I think our filters go
0: engine hours. So what would your numbers be there if you had So to, you'd probably be looking at like, eight, eight. you know, I'd say 1,800 to uh, 3,000. Okay. Just type that
1: in, 1,800 to 3,000, 2,012 to 14, S670s. Hit the little button. <clears throat> okay, it pops up. Um, now we've got a little average pricing tool. Well, here you go. Last year on that parameter, which you just specified, 2012 to 14 S670s, 1800 to 3000 engine hours. Average auction price was 110,050 bucks with a range of 142,5 down to 86,5. Now, so far this year, through five, almost five months, that number has dropped to 98,082 bucks. And both the high and the low have dropped quite a bit. So the highest we've seen so far this year is 118,000 in this range, and the low is 74K. So to drop from 110, and this is really fascinating here, because if you look, this goes back a few years. So there was uh, you know a, quite a drop, it looked like, into 17. Early 17, the average dropped down to one eighteen six oh four, 604. Uh, and then last year kind of held, only dropped to 110. So that's not too big of a drop for a calendar year. And now, this year, now so far, like another 12,000 drop, which would be about a little over 10%. So then you'd have to decide is a 10% drop year over year what I would expect on this class of, you know, 2012 to 14 with that given hour range. But again, these, that's why we put these tools here so that you can monitor this. And when you see a big drop or a spike, you know, the flip side is if you see a spike in, you know, 10 year old pricing on, you know, that a tractor everybody wants. A pre-tier four it's well don't be shy about holding the price steady yeah because hard cash is high so <laughs> but no you're that's you're a, tracking the exact correct thing
0: yeah that's a, and that's that's another nice thing about your tool there so you're looking at a, a 12 to 15 year-over-year drop in, in just that average hour range of machinery which shows you that either a they're falling out of favor or they're old enough now that they're kind of worth what they're worth and that's just a natural depreciation schedule or there could be too many of them in the marketplace and it could be a simple supply and demand thing. So you can make that decision.
1: And the other thing that I'm watching is, you know, people tease me. They'll say, oh, machine repeat, all you ever do is write or talk about the highest pricing. And it's like, yeah, I mean, obviously when something like that happens, we talk about it, but, but I'm watching the other end just as much so the lowest price. So in this parameter, the 2012 to 14 S670s with 1800 to 3000 engine hours, the low, we just said we've set an all-time low that's 74,000 now that dropped uh 12.5 from last year's low and then also so you know that so then if i went and looked and say oh well, geez why the hell did that thing sell for 74 well i looked and it was in texas wellington texas so then you could say well part of that might be the uh, southern factory you'd put your own uh you know filter on that but again you can you can start off with a macro view and then take it down to the to the to the small view now this is going to get really wild here through the rest of the year with with all the water and the you know who does pre-plant, who doesn't you know and you know you had guys in Indiana that haven't planted at all or Ohio other areas that are you know looking good well let's put a 2012 670 up in, in Indiana and or conversely let's see one in minnesota so you geography's always been 30 years tracking this stuff it there are times when it doesn't mean much and times when it means a lot yeah and i think the rest of 19 you know we could see some differences there
0: yeah now i'm right there with you i mean the, this way the weather's painting out this year and the way it's looking um it is a uh it, it well we had snow here on on uh, wednesday yeah i saw that there, the,
1: unbelievable
0: yeah yeah, my kids went to the last day of school, and in the snowstorm. You know, what I mean, so it's oh. it's crazy. You know, so it's I know. Stuff how, like are,
1: that. how are how are attitudes out there? You guys and the farmers and everybody. I mean, yeah, you can only laugh
0: about it, I suppose. But yeah, no, I think for the most part, I mean, we're for as far as planning progress goes, we're we're in good shape. You know, we've got you guys are good. We're we're, okay. we're in one of those one of those areas where you know we can get a lot of rain and and have it dry out pretty quick and be back in the field. Yeah. So. Um, for the most part, irrigated corn and all that stuff is, is definitely in, um, it's all in dryland corn is getting worked on here, slow, but sure. But for the most part, it's, it's all in, it's all ready to go. Things are, things are where they should be. Now, when you start flip that around and you start moving east of us and it starts getting a little, they're not nearly as, uh, for the most part, they're, they're in a good spot too, but the closer you get to Omaha, you know what I mean? the, The worse it gets. And, you know, with all the flooding they've had there in that area, it's, you know, it's just a bad deal.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, now there's, I'm, I'm a data guy. So, I mean, I've always tracked auction pricing. But in a weird way, you can kind of turn sentiment into a data point. And right. that's, you know, basically through Twitter. I think Facebook they got all kinds of issues with their the way they've reined in. They're, they're trying to make everyone just be friends and stuff, talk to your friend group. I'm like, well, that's whatever. But Twitter is an open flow, and Instagram is more that way. So I, when I'm on Twitter every day, I mean, I can feel it that I'll see posts from guys in Indiana or Ohio or, you know, Western Iowa or around Omaha. And, you know, you they're just dealing with a lot. And it's, now you got the, we just had the, whatever, the government thing come out yesterday and trying to judge that with how many days do I have to plant here? And again, the thing for 30 years, tracking auction, the truth there is, I mean, we're humans. So, how you feel, how optimistic you are or aren't, uh, matters. And particularly as these pieces of farm equipment have got so big and expensive, I mean, they're they're incredible what they do. Obviously, planters, combines, tractors. But twenty years ago, the highest price, whatever it might have been, one hundred fifty k, and now it might be three seventy five at auction. Okay. And if you drop that into an area where people are not doing so well. Now, a lot of ways you can look at that, of course, there's opportunity there as a buyer, if you're thinking, geez, if it sells for 2% less, that's 350 fifty K. I k And I saved myself some pretty good money. But that's the, just the stuff we try and track every day and hopefully help you keep sense of it.
0: Well, Greg, I think we've kind of covered everything here that I had on my plate. Um, anything you want to throw out there as, a, uh, as kind of a last thought before we shut it down?
1: Just love what you're doing. It's great stuff you're putting out. Love it helps inform everyone so oh, thanks man that's off i appreciate
0: stuff. that so obviously if, if folks want to reach out to you which they do on a pretty regular basis and if you don't know how to find your egg on social media you you best be living on a rock someplace but just for the folks that may be new to the business how would they uh, how would they get a hold of you if they wanted to uh track you down
1: yeah just type machinery repeat" anywhere on the internet uh, you know take you to our website machinerypeat.com or our facebook twitter instagram youtube and I just want to thank all the dealers, all your support for what we're doing. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a great business, a tough business, but uh, every day is a gift and a blessing. So we'll see see what uh, today and tomorrow hold.
0: Right on, man. Well, Greg, it's always a pleasure to have you on, and uh, we'll catch you next time down the road, buddy.
1: Yeah, it sounds good, Casey. Thanks much.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast, now part of the Global Ag Network. If you'd like to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at MovingIronPodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel and watch Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger, Sean Hackett, and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax News with Glenn Birnbaum. Please visit com. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville. Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and GlobalAgNetwork.com. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out.
1: Time and time again, through the years, you'll find us here.